This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hello, I'm Michael Shorten, also known as Chicago Wiz, and this is episode 39, Reading on Earth Arcana, where we're going to talk about the Barbarian class. This series is where I'm reading through the first edition supplement on Earth Arcana for the very first time in my life. I had never read it prior to this, and I'm seeing what may fit into my current campaign that's been running for 11 years and what might not fit. Of course, like anything else of this podcast, this is all my opinion. And what doesn't work for me, you might find actually works for you. So I highly encourage you to pick up on Earth Arcana and give it a read and see what it's all about. So the last two episodes have covered the classes section, and we've taken our time going through them because there's some pretty significant things there. We've covered the Cavalier. We've covered changes to the Paladin. We've covered some interesting changes to the Druid. And we've covered the Fighter. Now, the Cavalier is probably one of the best well-known classes that you may have heard about linked to Unearthed Arcana. It represented some interesting concepts in how to tune a class to a setting. The next class that we're about to cover represents a huge shift in how AD&D games were run. And we're talking about the Barbarian, and we're going to definitely see that this was a sneak peek into how 2nd edition AD&D was going to change the game that we had been running up until now. So in Unearthed Arcana, the Barbarian class starts on page 18 and goes to about a third of the way through page 21. It covers the things that you would kind of expect out of any class descriptions. It covers the qualifications, the level and XP requirements, the class abilities and bonuses. But for the first time, it adds something to AD&D that we've not really seen aside from the Thief class. It adds skills. And I'm not talking about just skills like casting magic or things that are directly related to the class, like picking pockets or hiding in shadows is related directly to the job that the Thief has. These are skills that add facets to the characters that define things that can differentiate one barbarian from another. As I said, it's a preview into what 2nd edition AD&D did. So let's get into it. So looking at the book here, the barbarian is a subclass of the fighter, but it does not have a principal attribute, so they don't get an XP bonus. And this seems to be a common theme through Unearthed Arcana. I'm not sure why Gary Gygax developed a dislike for XP bonuses, but there it is. So what do you have to qualify to be a barbarian? You have to have strength and constitution scores of 15 or higher. You have to have a dexterity score of 14 or higher and a wisdom score no greater than 16. Not too bad, but as we're going to talk about in a future episode with method five of rolling your attributes, you could pretty much tune your approach to any character class and almost virtually be um, able to get it. So I could see some people uh, definitely being able to qualify for Barbarian. In further class abilities, they get a bonus to their armor class if their dexterity is over 14 and if they're wearing armor that is, quote, not bulky or fairly bulky. 
Now, that threw me because nowhere in the player's handbook does it define armor by bulky versus non-bulky, but you have to flip to page 75 in Unearthed Arcana to the DM section, and there's a chart there that lays out what is bulky or non-bulky. And really for the Barbarian, I'm going to kind of give a spoiler here, there's only a couple of choices, leather armor or a flimsy wooden shield. That's it. Good luck, guys. Hope you have a high dex. Uh, <laughs> unless you're wearing elven chainmail, but, you know, barbarians, elven chainmail, it could be an interesting uh, role-playing session. The barbarian also gets higher bonuses on hit points due to constitution. So for every point that you are over 14, you get a plus two to your hit points. And speaking of hit points, you use a D12 when you're a barbarian. Yes, the D12 for hit points. So the barbarian can start off with a nice chunk of, of hit points to burn, much like the ranger. When a barbarian reaches fourth level, they get a interesting ability. So there are many creatures in AD&D that you need magical plus one or higher weapons to hit. Well, at fourth level, the barbarian is considered to have such fighting prowess that they can hit those creatures needing plus one or better. Now, this progresses as the barbarian rises in levels, so when... A barbarian reaches 12th level, they are able to attack and hit creatures that require a plus 5 weapon. I'm not sure which creatures are those. I'd have to look in the uh, monster manual at that. But the barbarian's able to hit them. Now, they don't actually get that plus 1, plus 2, or plus 5. They're just able to attack the creatures. Going through more of the barbarian abilities and bonuses, they get a bonus to virtually every save category. Then we get into the class skills. And, and as I mentioned before, there's a lot of them. And let me just read off the titles. So a barbarian character has the following primary skills. Climb trees and cliffs. Hide in natural surroundings. Surprise. Back protection. Leaping and springing. Detect illusion. Detect magic. And leadership. In addition to that, they have some following secondary skills. Now, these skills are geared towards, according to the rules, areas that they're familiar with or areas that they spend time in of about a month or more. And these skills are survival, first aid, outdoor craft, and tracking. Finally, the Barbarian has one or more, quote, tertiary skills. Now, these are subject to DM approval, and this is where we really get into setting-specific stuff, and, and I'll cover that in a second. So those skills are animal handling, horsemanship, long-distance signaling, running, small craft paddled, small craft road, sound imitation, and snare building. Unearthed Arcana then goes on to use some areas in Greyhawk as examples of how you might tune a barbarian. So it talks about the land of the frost, ice, and snow barbarians, as the hold of stone fist would be the homeland of barbarians of the Scandinavic Slavic mold. Um, talks about that they would be not very good at horsemanship, but they would have excellent running abilities and skill and small craft. Barbarians from the rovers of barons, tiger and wolf nomads would be excellent horsemen. 
savages of the Amadio jungle or Hetmanaland would have the tertiary abilities of long distance signaling, running, sound imitation, snare building, and so on. And so what they're basically saying is, is that, hey, DM, take a look at all these skills, decide for your areas what would be tuned for the barbarian and then when a player wants to be a barbarian they have to select the area they're from and then they get those skills that kind of go along with that area think of it as you know if you take lord of the rings the folks that would be from the areas of rohan would be horsemen whereas those who are more from the northland hills might be better suited for survival or, or something like that and and really UA really stresses that. So then the barbarian class goes on to describe some of the limitations and there are some restrictions and, and it's kind of a role playing kind of a, a, a major thing that they can't really associate with magic and clerics. They, you know, they're supposed to be fearful and highly suspicious of of magic users and magic items. But then there's a chart that lays out that as they increase in level, then they can start to do things like use potions, use magic weapons, use magic armor until level six may associate with magic users if necessary. Okay, then we get to the final section of the Barbarian, which talks about the Barbarian Horde. So when the Barbarian reaches 8th level, they can really bring the pain on someone by summoning about 275 raging Barbarian friends to their cause. It goes on to describe what the leadership is and what that would look like, how long it would take to gather the horde, the restrictions thereof, how long they're kept together, and then when they disperse. Now, it does give some idea of what the horde may include in addition to uh, assistance to the barbarian character. But if you go back to the monster manual, from pages 66 through 69, it lays out the different types of men, of which nomads and dervishes and those types of groups, um, banded groups, are all laid out. So you might have to refer to those rules to find out how many shamans and witch doctors and other type of classes are in your groups, as well as how they're maybe um, armored and outfitted, in addition to referring to the rules in Unearthed Arcana for assistance to the barbarian character as part of the horde. Your heart, barbarian horde might be pretty impressive mix there, so. And that is the barbarian. Wow. It should be noted, going back to the level chart, that barbarians gain levels slowly at about a third of the rate that a fighter gains. So to go from first to second level, a barbarian must earn 6,000 experience points as compared to 2,000 for the fighter, which I guess is a good way to limit the impact of a barbarian on a campaign. But if you get to sixth level for the barbarian, which is 80,000 experience points, where the barbarian can finally, quote, associate with magic users if necessary, that equates to a seventh level fighter that's somewhat well established. And by now, the barbarian's really rocking with the powers. So although they gain levels slowly, their impact will be felt quite quickly. Now, I must admit, I find the skills part kind of interesting from a historical standpoint. 
you know, skills concept had been, in terms of codified rules, really only part of the thief class, which really related to them doing their job. You know, what does a thief do? You climb walls, you hide in shadows, you pick lops, you find traps, and so forth. And you come to the Barbarian, and there are some skills that are thief-like, you know, climbing cliffs and trees, hiding in natural surroundings, surprise, and, and so on. But you also have things that are very different, but kind of related to the Barbarian and their setting, you know, detecting an illusion, detecting magic. Well, if you're suspicious of magic, you might have the nose for sniffing it out, and so on. But then on top of that, you have these skills now that are very much related to role play. These skills are supposed to be tuned to their place of origin and their tribe and so on. And to me, this is where it really marks a departure from what really had been just a bunch of hand-waving that was left to the purview of a DM. You know, if if you want to codify how to be able to create armor or apply first aid or build a trap or navigate a boat, the DM, you know, really had no guidance in the rules. It was kind of left up to them to kind of feel their way out. But to me, this is kind of the real first attempt to lay that out. Now, Dragon, up to this point, had many articles on here's how to take this class and here's what to add to that class. And, and there were a lot of little extra things that were added onto it. Well, here we're starting to see that. And, and I kind of feel like that in some ways, the Barbarian and then the Thief Acrobat, who we're going to talk about a little in a future episode, this is the first attempt to really flesh out what became codified in second edition as the non-weapon proficiencies and it's definitely become an aspect of D&D through all of the later editions. Because of reading Unearthed Arcana I went ahead and read the Dungeoneer Survival Guide and the Wilderness Survival Guide and there they really hammered home this idea of non weapon skills of different things that you could do in the wilderness of different things you could do in, in in the underground and i really think like this was starting to become a thing that was being accepted as a design element of official dnd that we are going to allow people to have skills and things that they can roll against and do things against you know, so it's just interesting from a historical standpoint to really see that so clearly delineated here, delineated more so for new classes and not for the existing classes, though. So we come to the question that I've always been asking, would I use the barbarian in my campaign? And flat out, I'll give it to you straight, just like I promised, not as written, absolutely not as written. Now, since doing that episode and reading about the Cavalier, I've really started becoming attracted to the idea of creating subclasses tuned to my campaign setting. And then I've hit on that previous episode as well. And I do have a known faction in my campaign that represents barbarian-like people with some specific bits of lore in my campaign. And so, yeah, I, I can definitely see where tuning a subclass of a fighter to represent them in some way makes a lot of sense. 
But the Barbarian and Unearthed Arcana represent such a huge jump in power with the many abilities, with the extra bonuses, with all the skills, with the D12 hit die. It doesn't really fit into the campaign how I see other characters fitting in. And I always come back to what do the first level characters look like? versus what do the fourth level characters look like versus what the eighth level characters. And and here, the Barbarian would outclass any of the other ones with the exception of maybe the Paladin and the Cavalier, which, you know, makes sense because they're also here in Unearthed Arcana. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it really, to me, represents a jump that I'm not comfortable with. That being said, I, I, I want to share something uh, that I did with an RPG game that I wrote back in 2009. In fact, I spoke about this in episode 31 of my podcast, where I talked about playing the Ultima computer uh, role-playing game setting using OD&D and tweaking OD&D, or more precisely, Swords and Wizardry White Box, into that setting. So in that in those rules, players start out with the classic four classes, you know, Thief, Fighter, Cleric magic user. But once you get to third level, they can specialize into subclasses, which gives them additional abilities that, you know, are nice, but they're not necessarily out of balance with as compared to the base classes. Um, plus, there's qualifications that they have to meet. The Barbarian in Unearthed Arcana represents a lot of concepts that would be interesting to perhaps introduce as things that you could graduate into or things that you could grow into, much as we talked about this uh, during a Q&A between recording the previous episode and this one where I talked about weapon specialization for the fighter. And I'm growing fond of the idea of when a fighter reaches fourth level, they can now specialize. You know, it makes sense. It's not something that that really breaks the campaign. It's a nice little perk. Um, it's an interesting idea. And I could see maybe some of these things from the Barbarian, but it seems like they took a whole lot of concepts and tried to give it to you. Blam, now, you know, the Barbarian is hardy. The Barbarian is a fighting machine. You know, is so skilled that it breaks the normal rules and allows you to attack these mythical creatures. Someone who's against magic and is part of the natural world. The way they implemented it, it's just a lot. I think if they had broken out these powers into a different curve, maybe more gradually getting these abilities not quite as powerful, I could see that as starting out, but I think it's too much too soon, and it's not something I think I would have fun with in my campaign with the players doing. I think it would be very hard. There's not really enough restrictions to balance out everything they're, they're getting. With the Cavalier, you had a lot more role-playing restrictions, which I think put the lid on some things but the barbarian just seems like hey you want to be a barbarian we'll make it slow on you but boy you know, doors open pedal the metal um, I'm, I'm not sure that 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 works for me you know and skills so skills are interesting but I kind of already do that with my players, you know, either the result of it being logical that they could do something. Take, for example, the thief. Most thief skills I hand wave unless failure is interesting, you know, and when is it interesting? OK, so let's compare a thief burgling smog versus a thief walking through a cloud and crowd 
and pickpocketing people at a, at a festival. Burgling smog is interesting, so I might have them roll on that. Um, and then there's what I call the extraordinary circumstances. You know, normally a thief is going to be able to climb a wall unless the wall's like extraordinarily slick or say, you know, the thief is fleeing pursuers who are firing arrows at the thief. It's raining outside and the thief is already hauling a chest of coins that they just stole. Yeah, that's interesting and that's extraordinary. You are going to roll that thief climb wall skill. That's the time when I use the skills. But normally I do a lot of hand waving or Worst case scenario, it's a one in six or maybe a one in two and two D six, or maybe I'll do a two D six and I'll think about the reaction table where values two from five are bad, six through eight are middling results, nine and above are really good results. And maybe if they've got an extraordinarily high attribute that relates to that skill, I might give them a plus, you know. It really all depends. Normally, I'm pretty fuzzy about the skills and my players generally do a good job of describing what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. And and I give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm not sure that the barbarian skills here and, and the way they've listed them would necessarily fit as a mechanic into my campaign. Whew, that is a lot. And that is the barbarian. And I think we're at a really good place to stop. And we do have a couple of more classes to cover in Unearthed Arcana. We have the Ranger, who you might be surprised at what I think about the Ranger. We have the Thief. And then we have the Thief Acrobat, <laughs> also known as the D&D cartoon class for those of you that grew up in the early 80s. But we'll definitely get to those next episode. So what do you think? Does the Barbarian as written interest you for your campaign? Have you played the Barbarian in the campaign as written in Unearthed Arcana? And if so, how did it go? Let me know. You know, there's a number of ways you can get a hold of me to give me feedback. You can leave me a message, a voice message on my Anchor FM podcast page. You can call my voicemail. I'll leave links to both in my show notes. You can send me an email or you can leave a blog comment. I hope you all are staying safe and well, and I hope you continue to stay that way. Everybody here is doing well and safe at the time this was recorded. Hang in there. We're, we're going to get through these times together. All right, that's it. Until next time, game on.